0: And welcome to the studio. You are live with Triple H 100.1 FM and me, Alexi Boyd and Small Biz Matters. Thanks for joining me today. This week, we've got a fantastic guest, one of our regulars actually, and we're going to be talking about something that I believe is complicated, become more complicated, but she's here to assure us that it's not as complicated as we think. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, basically, uh, policymakers as much as we love them or hate them, depending on where you sit on the fence, are trying their best to ensure that employees are treated fairly by us as employers. Our small business employers, in fact. But when it comes to government decisions, it kind of feels like for us that fair is actually complicated. The more we talk about cutting red tape, the more we as businesses try and trip over it. And as small businesses, we want to look after our employees because without them, we don't grow or sometimes even function. So we can engage with our politicians, we can try and understand them and the mayhem of each of these seemingly small changes and what they can mean to us on a day-to-day level. But in the meantime, you need to ensure that you're actually getting it right, like now. Sadly, ignorance is no excuse and in equal measure, most of us don't have an employment lawyer on staff to ask for advice. So just when you think you've got it all sorted out, your payroll, your HR, your employment issues, you read about yet another new interpretation or change or something just really scary in the newspapers about the law. For example, late last year, the Federal Court made a decision about casual employees and boy, is it a doozy of a change. Luckily, we've got another great expert on hand, Michelle Archer, has many, many years of experience working in the employment law field and is here to help us untangle this web of possible misunderstanding <laughs> or maybe just here to reassure us. Welcome back to the program, Michelle. Thank you, Alexi. Nice to be here again. So there was a, there was something that happened late last year which, which got a lot of hoo-ha. It got a lot of, um, let's say, got a lot of publicity in the papers and a lot, especially in the small business press about this casual... Uh, you know, casual employees are able to now come to us after a year and tell us that they want to become part-time. I mean, really broadly, that's what it kind of read to us like as small businesses. Yeah. It was a case that was decided by the full court of the federal court. So mm. it was a, it's a
1: fairly important decision. But it is, uh, what it was about was a casual employee who said he wasn't really a casual employee. He was a, a, a employee that should be paid annual leave and other entitlements. Mm. Um, So if I can just give you a little bit of a background, you might kind of understand the decision a little bit better. So basically casuals are supposed to be ad hoc employees, not regular. So you might ring them up and say, I've got a couple of days work. Can you come in? And they can say yes or no. They can kind of elect. And that's sort sort of the normal definition of what a casual employee would be. So this decision was about an employee who was a fly-in, fly-out worker in a mine. Oh, actually, so it was actually really sort of quite regional. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So he, he, up in Queensland, I think it was. So he would work 12-hour shifts, seven days on, seven days off. Mm -hmm. The employer flew him up there, gave him um, accommodation. In fact, not just any old room. They gave him a permanent room. And he had a, a roster he was given in January for the entire year. So that, that sounds to me quite permanent, yes. quite fixed. Yes.
0: <laughs> I'm not hearing casual. No, so
1: the, he had a, a contract that said he was a casual employee, mm. um, but he was, as I said, working seven days on, seven days mm-hmm. off. He was flying in, flying out. He did the same job every, every time. So what the court said, well, look, this looks pretty regular and permanent employment. Now, he knew 12 months in advance that, you know, what his roster was going to be. So, the court was saying, well, look, this doesn't really look like a casual arrangement. He couldn't say, no, I don't feel like working on Tuesday, so I elect not to work that day. I mean, he was up there. He had to do his work. Even on an occasion when he, uh, when there was no work available, they paid him to stand down. So, it the court's saying, well, look, the contract might have said, yes, that's a casual employment, but it really wasn't a casual arrangement.
0: But can I just ask you one thing? Because as an employer um, and most small businesses aware of this, the 25% loading for casuals. So in my mind, okay, so the regularity was clearly part-time, but the whole entitlements and the fact that he wasn't getting entitlements, well, that was negated by the fact that he's getting his 25% loading. So why, is, why did the court rule that he could get entitlements based on his base salary rate when he was getting the loading already for that yeah. entire period of time? So, look,
1: um, I think what your uh, listeners really need to understand is that that needs to be really made clear. Um, so if you get a, a base rate of, I don't know, $100 a day or something, yep. you've got to define that, well, $25 of that is the casual loading. Mm -hmm. Actually, that probably doesn't quite work out. (laughs) But anyway, you're the better mathematician. (laughs) But, you know, you have to kind of make sure that the contract sets out that, you know, the base rate is X and Mm -hmm. 25% goes on top. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not exactly sure what his contract said about the loading or whatever, but um, the rate is, if they've just stated a rate without sort of defining that, then that can be an issue as well. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to say, well, you know, the loading is defined. Um, I'm not sure about what they did about the loading in that case, but if he's just on a a rate um, without that definition, then, you know, they would say, well, you know, it, why, why shouldn't you get annual leave when all the other indicators are that you're a permanent employee?
0: Yeah, so and, and so I guess what you're saying there is um, it needed to be quite indicative. We don't know what the contract was, but not only on the contract, but moving forward, is it important that it's indicative throughout the relationship and that can be shown through pay slips, for example? Uh, yeah, or, or
1: or contracts or, you know, you know, there has to be some kind of paperwork. I know how much you love the paperwork, Alexi. But not the
0: paperwork. Alexi. Paperwork, but not the paperwork. The paperwork, not the paperwork.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it is important to show that. And that's actually, um, as you can imagine, and I'm sure your listeners will have heard, there was a lot of publicity around this case, a lot of anxiety well, about... Because he got
0: paid a lot of money. You got yeah. paid huge amounts of money. I mean, a fly-in fly worker, we all know that they get paid well anyway. Yeah.
1: So he wasn't employed for a long period of time. Um, but So the, the um, business groups were very upset about, you know, the potential that um, they would have to start paying casual um, employees um, uh, annual leave and other entitlements that they wouldn't normally get. Uh, you know, um, what sort of happened over the last few years is increasingly – um you know the the more sort of traditional um definition that i've explained of casual sort of come in on a you know on a very sort of semi-regular basis mm-hmm. has really changed a lot so um a lot of people are employed very regularly um and systematically on you know set hours and things like that but they're still defined as casuals so what the kind of publicity is about is that people suddenly realising, well, hang on a minute, we've called these people casuals, but they may not actually be. So it wasn't a huge shift in the law. It's really been a huge shift in that there are a lot more casuals. Uh, or a lot more people being employed in these sort of arrangements than there perhaps was before.
0: Yeah, that's quite interesting because when you look at the um, statistics around employment at the moment when they're talking about, you know, how many full-time jobs are being created, they're actually starting to break it down like they're never used to into part-time, full-time, how are people being employed and this whole issue of underemployment and the shift towards um, contractual agreements rather than being being a contractor rather than being an actual employee. Do you think in the grand scheme of things with all of these court rules and policy decisions that they're trying to encourage um, employers to take on more staff rather than having this contractor arrangement or do you think they're just kind of running around chasing their tails trying to make sure that those relationships are are more organised when you've got them? I mean, Mm. it it sounds to me like it's almost a reflex reaction to what's going on in the market, which is people are becoming more and more fluid and becoming contractors and self-employed and wanting to consult yeah is this a, is this a band aid solution are they just trying to fix it by you know creating policies to to make up for the changes in the workplace um well, I don't think the court
1: would be engaged in that. The court will just look at the the circumstances the the of the facts in in front of it and and not kind of Take too much of that sort of thing in in um, into account, mm. um, but it's more broadly I think there are there is a little bit of angst about the casualisation of our workforce because obviously um, there is a lack of job security for the for the casual person, so um, that's um, that can be an issue as well. So on a, on a broader sense, there's this sort of tension between obviously for a lot of businesses, it provides flexibility. Mm. Um, you know, they, they don't have to, um, you know, they can sort of have someone come in for a little period of time or, or they can have a good look at them and on a a casual basis and they don't have to incur annual leave, um, accruals and things like that. So, you know, it gives them a level of flexibility that they want. Um, But also, you know, from the employee's perspective, it may not be such a good idea from a job security point of view. Um, and it can it can marginalize some people in that they you know they can't obtain home loans or they can't kind of, you know, uh, yeah, get
0: career opportunities and things exa- like that. Exactly or move forward, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of like in, in all cases you're gonna have people who are doing the right thing, which is trying to employ people correctly, pay them the correct wage, give them the loading if they're entitled for casuals. But then you get to have people who are taking advantage of the system as well and just saying, Oh well, if I make people casuals even though they've got a regular roster, I can suddenly get rid of them when business Turns cold, and I don't have to look at redundancy yeah. or anything like that. So, look, after this case came down, there was a lot of, um, as you mentioned, a lot of publicity
1: around it, and the um, Australian business. I think one of the figures was eight billion dollars <laughs> of yeah. back-paid entitlements yeah. to the economy. Um, yeah, that was a probably a little bit extreme, <laughs> um, but also, you know, the unions were defending the the decision as well um, because they are trying to push for more entitlements for their um, casual workers as well. So yeah. um, there's a lot of sort of tension between that. Very late in December, and I don't think it really hit much, um, uh, got much publicity, but the government did bring in a regulation um, that said that basically kind of prevents double dipping. So that, um, in sort of very specific circumstances, and I've got it here, and I can read it out for you if you <laughs> like. But I'm um, in very sort of specific circumstances where somebody makes a claim for when they've been paid as a casual, and they make a claim for annual leave and things like that. If the employer's got the paperwork to say that they have been given that loading, yeah, you know that they've got they were paid a hundred dollars a day, and they got an extra twenty five dollars on top. Mm-hmm. I've got my maths right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for casual loading yeah. um and that can be demonstrated um then they will then the employee will be prevented from double dipping so that was a regulation that the government put in in december and that's
0: it is retrospective as well is that because of the court ruling yeah that happened because September? there was a lot of yeah because there was a lot of angst around the decision so but why is that why does that even need to be there i mean to me it's like well But that's the existing situation. If you've clearly indicated to someone that they are a casual, they can't go away and say, oh, hang on, I'm going to double dip now. I mean, why did it need some sort of regulation? Well,
1: because the contract doesn't always save you, um, as it didn't in the um, WorkPack case, Mm. Um, because the contract said he was a casual. Mm. Um, But because of the circumstances around what he was doing, it was such a regular uh, employment and there was all those other factors. The court said, well, look, you know, the contract does say casual, and he sort of understood he was a casual. But really, the real situation was that he wasn't. Yeah. So it kind of um, helps employers with that situation mm. where you know if they have got their paperwork in order and they have paid the loading, um, but you know the kind of the court might say, well, look, the real situation is that even all, with all that, they are still ca- they are still permanent. Um,
0: then the regulation helps with that situation. Understood. So look, that's really um, fantastic to have heard in detail about what that court case, but let's take a break now. When we come back, I want to talk about um, what that means for everyday businesses um, on the ground uh, in a practical sense uh, and also maybe going into a little bit about um, the actual casual uh, employees and what you need to know to make sure that you're doing things properly as a small business. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. My name's Alexi Boyd with Small Business Matters. We'll be back after this. So today we've got Michelle Archer back on the program and we're talking about employment law. Uh, just before the break we were talking about what seemed to be a very big scary change happening in uh, the courts back in September with a ruling um, for a casual employee who was able to claim uh, I think to the tune of 12 months worth of entitlements even though he had been deemed to be a casual and was being paid additional for it. Um, but the court decided that there was um, reason enough for him to have been considered part-time. So really let's look a little bit about the the relationship that we as businesses have with our casual employees um how do you define that a little bit and how do you make sure that you've got them set up correctly and it's very clear to everyone um what's happening with that relationship michelle you mentioned before the break that it's important to put it at least in the contract somewhere in writing so is that enough is it enough to just deem them to be a casual and make sure that you're paying them on a casual award rate is that is that sufficient in your mind
1: um well yes, initially it's it's a um obviously it's always best to document and so everybody understands what they're doing. Um as I sort of explained, it won't necessarily save you if you uh if you're really not um in a casual
0: relationship with your employer. So it still needs to be of a nature where there's no set yeah. times so, and on yeah. off on and off. Uh the the Act refers to casual
1: employees and also regular and systematic casual employees, which um, what makes it very <laughs> confusing. So, um, you know, casual employees don't get annual leave, you know, all those sort of regular entitlements. Um, but if a person is able to show that they're a regular and systematic employee, um, they may, for example, get unfair dismissal rights that a casual employee... Would not
0: ordinarily receive so. Even if you are a small business, though, because don't you aren't we protected from uh, unfair dismissal if we're under? I don't know what's the definition of a small business these days. No. So
1: the Act provides that um, for a small business, which is less than fifteen, mm-hmm. um, so not fifteen, less than fifteen staff, so fourteen yep. and, and, down, and under, um, that in order to for a person to claim unfair dismissal, they must have been employed for at least twelve months. Okay. So they're not they're not fully out of the unfair dismissal regime but they get 12 months to look at their employee oh okay all right
0: yeah and that's the benefits well not the benefits but the scapegoat
1: so what the act says that um that a period of casual employment will not count towards that um that minimum employment period unless they are regular and systematic and uh alexi being a you know Piece of legislation, of course, regular and systematic is not defined anywhere. I was going to say, is
0: that not open to <laughs> so, interpretation, and that's yeah, where we end up with yeah, these court rulings. Yeah,
1: that's right. So it's they leave it for the um, for the court to determine what's regular and systematic. Um, so it's sort of being judged on a case by case basis. But it's sort of something where you know you know it when you see it. Um, if somebody is working every single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Mm you know, for a year, mm-hmm. you know, they're pretty regular if and if systematic. Like yeah. this guy back in September, if they've got their schedule for yeah. the entire year yeah. already laid out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, if they work a Friday here, have three weeks off, do five days, then don't work for a month. I mean, that is obviously pretty much a casual, um, you know, there's not going to be too much argument about that. Mm-hmm. But where you get into the grey area is when you're when you're dealing with people who are, you know, working the same hours every week um, and, and, you know,
0: that's pretty regular and yeah. systematic. So you mentioned during the break that there's um, there's a couple of awards that we need to be aware of. Now, um, everybody who is employing someone should be very much aware of what award they're on. I know last time you came on the program, we talked about modern awards, where to find out information about them and um, knowing what you need to pay as a minimum. Um, people also need to be aware that there's changes every so often and it's up to you as the business owner to know when there's been an increase in the award. Typically, uh, do they tend to happen around the 1st of July just with um, CPI increases? Rate right, increases, right yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, there'll be a,
1: a a case in the earlier part of the year um, where the rate will be determined, and that will be in effect from the first of July pretty much every year
0: when you say a case, do you mean a court case or they
1: just yeah like a here? case before the fair work commission to determine whether the the rate the minimum rate should be increased or, or or and how by how much
0: and typically the are there certain types of businesses that need to be more consciously aware of awards or is it i mean my understanding is that there's like Eighty percent of jobs are covered by an award these days, so everyone should be aware. Oh, I of I don't know about the statistics, yeah. um, but
1: um, <laughs> there are a lot of awards. If you go onto the Fair Work Commission website, which is fwc.gov.au, .gov.au. Did you yeah. hear that,
0: everyone? .gov.au, gov. dot not, not dot.com,
1: dot yeah. yeah. .gov, Yeah, gov.au. fwc.gov.au. There's a there's a list of them. So the more uh, the industries that are more uh, likely to have casual employments. There has been a very recent change that everybody should be aware of if they are engaging in casual um, labour. Mm. Um, so I've brought along a couple of examples. I didn't go through every single award, but you know those industries that do have casual, uh, more casuals. They, you know, you definitely should look at the applicable award. So, for example, I've got the general retail award, which would be you know, you know, your typical shops and things like that. There's one thing that I really want your listeners to be aware of. There was a change to that award last year, which um, does allow for employees to request to move from casual to part-time employment if they've been engaged in regular employment for about a year. But the critical thing for your listeners to know is that they are obliged to give their employees a copy of this clause. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, they are supposed to give it to all new employees and they were supposed to give it to their existing employees by the 1st of January of this year.
0: That's just someone for the retail. Yeah, uh, that's the, uh, that's under the retail award. So,
1: um, well, I was uh, having a look at a few things before I came on today. I thought I must let your listeners know that if they are uh, in the retail under they've got employees under the retail award, they are obliged to have given them a copy of these new provisions.
0: Right on the first of January. Yeah. So if you haven't have done, done that it, do it now. <laughs> yeah. So that's along with that, um, you know, the pack that you should be putting together with paperwork, which includes your Fair Work statement. Yep. Yep. So retail, anybody who's involved in re- just if you're involved in retail. At all. Yeah. Just be safe and be yeah. sure and hand over this document. Yeah. So that's um, clause number
1: 13 of the uh, General Retail Industry Award. So that award provides that an employee may request yes. um, to become a part-time, uh, part-time or full-time employee. So just to make things more complicated, the Food, Beverage and Tobacco
0: Manufacturing Award... Um, which, which to me is always weird. Why is yeah. food and and, be- and tobacco all in the same yeah. category? So this
1: is more sort of probably more kind of you know factory type um, not not a food restaurant, but more of a kind of manufacturing type thing, uh, They, uh, the employer must give the employee notice in writing that they are allowed to elect to become a casual. So rather than the employee going to the employer and asking... To become a casual or a part-time? Oh, sorry, it's a part-time. part-time. Sorry. <laughs> um, after six months um, of casual employment, yes. the employer must... Give the employee the option to elect to become part time. So for
0: them, it's six months for food. Yeah. What was yeah. the what was the award again? Food, manufacturing, food, beverage, and tobacco manufacturing, manufacturing
1: yeah. award. Yeah, and yeah.
0: tobacco. Don't yeah. forget the tobacco. Yeah, tobacco. Who's of involved course. in tobacco these days? <laughs> I'm not sure. And um, okay, so six months for them, and then twelve months for retail. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's you yeah, know, Each award's going to have its different. Um, its different provisions. So it's really, really important for people to look at the award that applies to them. Um, I haven't gone through, you know, there's like, there's a hundred plus awards. I haven't gone through every single one of them. But But that that covers a lot of businesses out there, doesn't it? examples of so there was a case in the commission last year where um, um, quite a range of awards um, where it was decided that there should be some mechanism for casuals to be able to move across to permanent um, work. Yes. So if um, you know if you're in an industry where there are a lot of casuals or even if you're just employing casuals, you should check the award that applies to your employees and make sure that you're
0: um, adhering to any provisions you've got. How are you supposed to find that? because um, it, that is such a, a specific clause that has been, added in i mean these documents are like 40 or 45 pages long and you're supposed to find these changes that have suddenly occurred what's the best way i know that fair work for instance they have newsletters that goes out and you can select which category of business you're in so you get the news as it comes up for yep. you is that the best way to keep in touch uh, with these changes yeah, look, i
1: think there's a lot of um business associations as well yes. who, will, who will keep you updated professional on professional associations changes. yeah um you know, you've just got to have some method to check. You really need to keep um, as abreast of it as you can. Um, whether you just fall into the um, the habit of checking it every year um, this one unfortunately happened after July so even if you checked it in July you wouldn't have been up to date with that requirement to have provided things by the first of January so um, it's really tough it's yeah tough to keep up with it I've got you know I've got to say I mean the fair work um, commission website is reasonably easy to navigate the awards themselves they'll pop up with a table and you just scroll down the table and hit casual employment and you'll find it all there but it's sort of getting into the habit of looking or knowing that you should be looking, that, that is is tough for small business.
0: I must say there's certain sectors of the business community that are better at doing this. The construction um, industry, for instance, has really got their head screwed on when it comes to knowing what they need to do and the the allowances and how to pay people and, and all the regularity and things like that. But perhaps um, people who are in lesser known categories, such as the Clerks Award and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, this is a question for legislators, I'm sure. But where is the sanity in doing something whereby... At the 12-month mark, this particular category of workers need to be informed. At the six-month mark, these categories – I mean, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, this is just me getting my soapbox as usual. But it's really – for me, just do something in a blanket way. You know, pull your finger out and just go, this is what's going to happen for all businesses across the board – if you've got a casual, they have the right to come to you at the twelve-month mark. I mean, to do it in such an ad hoc fashion really drives businesses crazy. I mean, that's a question I'm going to ask yeah. possibly Michaelia Cash later in yeah. the year if I can ever get her in here. But that—that <laughs> that for me is that's where the yeah. difficulty is. Um, I guess. Yeah. Well, and you see the trickle down effect yeah. of that. Good
1: for me, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: Good no, for some sorry. sectors.
0: Yeah.
1: No, <laughs> no, you don't. You don't want to be spending money on lawyers. Um, look. Uh, I don't have the answer no, to that, I no, don't think. No, um, the legislators you know, need to different have Different unions will have made different applications based on what they believe their workers need. Um, the business lobbies will have made different um, submissions based on what they perceive they, they, their businesses need mm. um, And and it's just kind of resulted in these sort of different... Changes. Um, yeah, I mean, I did come one across one even before all these changes, um, where uh, I think it's the pharmacy um, yeah. award. They had a bit of changes last year, didn't they? I believe. Oh no, a couple, you know, they, I think they've always had that. Basically, the after you'd worked for a period of time, they were deemed to be part time, where they, like nothing had to be kind of communicated. They just were part time huh. after a period of time. Yeah, right. I'm not sure whether that's still in there or not, um, but it is. It is tricky and all I can urge is just you know check
0: um if, if in doubt check indeed yeah and just um, and make sure that you're in touch with your professional association because they I are the ones so. that yeah. you're paying for for this yeah. sort of education yeah. um and you need to be across as well I don't know about you Lexi, but I get so many emails and
1: you know they, and it's so easy to just flick them but you know really if you are in an association like that they will give you a lot of information in their newsletters and things so it is worth the you know 30 seconds just to scroll through and see, is there anything in here that I need to know from my employees? That's true. Um, Because they will give you a lot of information. Indeed. Um, But it's easy to
0: just, you know, put them all into junk or whatever and not read them. Or just say, I'm going to read them. I'm going to put them in those those to read later list. Look, I'm just going to grab um, another community service announcement break. But when we come back, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about um, unfair dismissal and uh, and. What, what small businesses need to be aware of. We touched on that a little bit earlier. Sure, no problem. <laughs> We're going to be back in a moment after this community service announcements. And you're back in the room with Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd here on Triple H 100.1 FM and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We are live in the studio today talking to Michelle Archer, who is an employment law expert, a guru, if you will. And just before the break, we were discussing the recent changes to, um, I guess, amendments, slight tweaks to, <laughs> to the laws that occur in response to um, the courts. And I think that's an interesting process that small business should be aware of. You need to know what you're doing correctly and make sure that you're keeping abreast of any changes when you've got employees. That's very important, particularly with award changes and, and expectations of paperwork and things like that. But then um, if there is some sort of a court case, the trickle on effect is that makers then might make another change in response to that court case and then um, it becomes legislated and you have to do it. Is that is that in a really layman's terms, the process of um, where, I always get confused about where the court comes in, the court case comes in, makes a change and then the legislators and the policymakers have to scramble to, to make any amendments. Is that, is, have I got that right?
1: Um, yes, yeah, look, sort of. I mean, I guess the court is interpreting what the... Uh, or the, mm. or the instrument that it might be looking at. Um, so, for example, in the case we were discussing before, they were interpreting the national employment standards and, and whether or not that person was a casual for the purposes of the national employment standards. And they were also interpreting the enterprise agreement that applied to the particular um, employer. So um, what subsequently happened is that um, the government put in a regulation. Regulation is not legislation. Oh, no. It's what? <laughs> regulation is... So the legislation is the Fair Work Act. Yes. And that needs to be passed by Parliament. The regulations okay. don't need to be passed by Parliament. So um, that's why it's been done as speedily as it has been done.
0: I see. But you still obviously need to be aware of it and adhere to be aware d- of the regulations. To
1: it. So the regulations are actually really helpful um, to business because the regulations are the ones that contain all the things about you must um, say this, this, this on your payslip or you must record this, this, this in your records or, you know, those sorts of... So it's actually the regulations are do give a little bit of a checklist about what you um, what you need to do with your employment. Don't ask me what they say because I'm not really
0: on well, to top of the exact detail. Of, but you and need, it'll depend on the modern award that you're talking about yeah. and the circumstances that you've got That's with your right. employer. And yeah. again, what you mentioned before the break is so crucial. Make sure you read... Any documentation that you're receiving from particularly your professional association. absolutely. But but you can subscribe to the Fair Work newsletter in relation just to the the award wages that apply to you. One other
1: point I'd just like to make really quickly on Mm -hmm. that as well, um, Alexi, is that the changes to the awards, for example, if the employee wants to elect to be um, a part-time worker or not, um, a lot of people will say no. A lot of people will want to keep their 25% loading and they'll be quite happy not to get paid annual leave or sick leave. They'd rather keep the 25%. Um, so you really need to document that. So if you've you you know, if you've complied with the award and mm-hmm. said, right, okay, you have to elect, um, then you really need good evidence to say if they say, oh, no, I elect to stay as a casual employee. I want to keep my 25% loading because that will protect you. Um, later on if they
0: turn around and say, oh, no, no, I wasn't really a casual. I was a part-time employee. And doesn't have to be a hard copy that's inked? Or is it sufficient to be an email exchange that is then um, filed somewhere oh, well I don't really care
1: as long as it's in <laughs> writing I mean you, you know lawyers love writing we don't like verbal agreements we like to have it all written down um, so you know whatever the the method mm-hmm. um, but what it needs to demonstrate is the employees' rejection of the of the offer to change um, so um, it's you know it shouldn't just be a file note somewhere saying oh I spoke to the employee and you know you want you want them you want to give them something in writing and get them to respond To you in writing, say no. I don't elect, or I do elect, or, or," and and obviously you would
0: tell them the consequences. So, Um, as a blanket rule, is it a good idea that if you've got casual employees, to have a look at that twelve-month mark for each of them, and just have that discussion, regardless of the award and whether it's the six-month or the twelve-month? Look, uh, look. I think if you like,
1: kind of take a really big-picture view of things, and I know you know it might not work for the individual businesses, but on a big-picture view, um, it's better that people if they are genuinely part-time that they are paid as part-time employees and they do get that safety net of you know sick leave and that sort of things if something happens um so you know the casualization of our workforce is a is a kind of on a large scale a bit of a problem Mm. um but you know it doesn't work for every business and i get that you know they might not want
0: to they'd rather have the the flexibility that casual work um provides but it got some risks. Mm. And like with everything, when when you do anything with your staff or or (laughs) with anyone really, just put something down in writing um, just to document. But I
1: just think particularly if you're getting an election or you're getting a decision from your employee about the status of their employment, you want to have something in writing from them, mm. um, accepting or rejecting. In response uh, yeah, to. Yeah. yeah, you don't just want to make a note to say, oh, I spoke to them and they said no. Um, yeah, it's, you, it's, yeah, make sure yeah. it's a bit more robust. Yeah,
0: I, I, that would be my suggestion. So I just wanted to touch and finish off the program today with uh, talking a little bit about unfair dismissal because it's, it, it, it's a scary prospect for small businesses. Um, the threats are there that people who have been working with you for a long time can suddenly say... You know, if you turn around, okay, let's take an example of a plumber. He's got a casual worker who's been with him for six months. It's deemed casual. He's very much casual, casual hours. Um, It's not working out for perhaps personality reasons and he decides to let him go. Is that a pretty straightforward case? I mean, um, I think small business owners are nervous about doing that because they fear unfair dismissal. So when do we need to be aware of it and when do we have to be worried about it? Okay, well, in that situation, if they
1: are purely casual and they've only been there for six months, then if they were dismissed, then they would not have unfair dismissal rights. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, they, as I said before, if we're a small business, less than 15... Employees. Employees. Yes, less than fifteen employees, and that's a straight head count. It's not like if there's a job share, um, that's one person. It's two people. How many people are literally yeah, how listed how many on payroll? Are literally on the payroll? Yeah. Um, so um, if they've not, if first of all, if he's a casual, he doesn't have unfair dismissal rights, and second of all, they have to have been there for twelve months on a non-casual um, basis. So yes, in that circumstances, you would um, uh, you would not or we should not face an unfair dismissal claim. Um, the problem can sometimes be that um, there is another uh, claim that can be made that is not subject to those type of restrictions. And I'm dealing with one at the moment for a, 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 a business where unfortunately the person has been rejected from unfair dismissal because they hadn't um, been there for the requisite amount of time and then they've just gone off and lodged the other claim even though they don't have that claim um, but we've still got to deal with it so what's that, the other claim that's a very it's a general it's what's called general protections so um, it's it's more in the sort of discrimination type space oh, right um, so if, for example, oh, i trying to give an example. Um, so uh, a woman tells her employer that she's pregnant mm-hmm. and that she wants to take parental leave.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, then the employer might say, well, um, I'm, I'm not going to give you parental leave and I'm going to terminate your employment. Then they have been terminated because um, they hold a workplace right and, and that's um,
0: unlawful. hmm
1: so it's in, it's in that sort of more,
0: more yeah. in that sort of area.
1: Um,
0: but sometimes people who are not represented don't understand the difference and... and, um, and oh, when and, you say not represented, meaning they don't have any legal counsel, so they're just kind of like flipping about trying to find a way to get back yeah, at their employer. Yeah,
1: so they've been rejected from the unfair dismissal claim and they've <laughs> gone and launched another claim which we, you know, which we have to deal with and say, well, you don't have this claim, you can't, pro- you can't progress.
0: But, you know, the, unfortunately the employer still has to have dealt with it and when you say dealt with it meaning they probably need to have legal counsel it's going to cost them money to go through the courts is there a process of mediation before there the courts and that's i think something that's really
1: valuable in the unfair dismissal space the first thing that happens is so it's 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 set up to be relatively easy to access um, so the employee can lodge the application online and there's a small fee of 60-something dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens as soon as they lodge, the commission sends the um, application to the employer, but they set down a private conciliation process. So that's the first thing that happens. The vast, vast, vast majority of cases will resolve at that
0: point. Is that the same as saying mediation, a private conciliation? Yeah. 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 It's the same thing.
1: It's done over the telephone. um, So you don't even have to sit in the same room as your former employee or employer. That's good. Yeah. So there, you know, you get a phone call from the Fair Work conciliator. They, you know, everybody has a chat in sort of telephone conference and then the conciliator will speak to both sides privately. So it's a really good way of resolving cases quickly. Um, And I think I don't know the statistics, but there's like literally thousands and thousands and thousands of um, applications lodged and very, very few go through to hearing. Most of them will resolve
0: in that process or shortly thereafter. And I suppose like all mediation, it's it's not binding because you don't then not have to continue on to, to court hearing if you wish, but it's all legally wrapped up and makes sure it adheres to everything yeah, and people so are the, given correct advice. The
1: conciliated doesn't give um a judgment doesn't say okay you're right or you're wrong um they're there to encourage the parties to agree to resolve the matters themselves that's their role Mm -hmm. um so but it is quite a valuable thing and the other thing to remember as well is the maximum that can be recovered by an employee is six months pay and that's very very rarely given so if you kind of think of a bell curve Mm. Even in the successful ones, it's sort of you know in the middle somewhere. It's not really very rarely will they give the full um, six months. So it's it's it is scary, you know. And I appreciate that no small business wants to pay out six months mm, pay. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's it's not open ended, and, mm-hmm. it, and
0: it's um, it, there are some protections built in for both sides. And everyone should be aware as well that the New South Wales Small Business Commissioners um, website has. Uh, advice there as well and you can you can ask for, um, me- not mediation, but you can ask for some advice from them when it comes to, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's employment law, but it's certainly around commercial law and supplier versus client agreements and that sort of okay. thing.
1: Um, the Fair Work Ombudsman website is also very good if you've got questions about um, entitlements or underpayments or anything like that. What's the difference between Fair Work Ombudsman and Fair Work Commission? Okay, the Fair Work Commission is like the tribunal where the cases are, um, you know, disputed and and, um, dealt with. And the Fair Work Ombudsman's role is more about um, giving assistance to mainly employees, I suppose, but also employers. And um, if you believe that there's been a breach of the Act, you can make a complaint to the Fair Work Ombudsman. Um, The Fair Work Ombudsman also has um, prosecutorial um, powers, so um, they can—they um, are the people who will sue you or or take you to court and and seek fines against you if you are in breach of awards or in breach of the Act
0: in some way. Right. Well, that's a wealth of information once again, <laughs> Michelle. We've talked today about the ruling back in September with the casual worker who was um, deemed to be entitled to his entitlements, which was very interesting. And we've also covered um, what to do in a relationship that you might have with your casual employee and what Fair Work can do to support you in terms of giving you advice and also mediation. So it's been it's been a jam-packed show. I'd like to thank you again for coming on Small Biz Matters. Michelle? Thank you for inviting me again, Alex. And <laughs> how can people find out about you, if they want to find out more about the services that you offer.
1: Okay, well, they can go onto our website, which is www.haywards That's um, H A Y W A R D S, not double O. dot com.
0: dot au, or a telephone nine two eight three seven triple two. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being so generous with your advice once again. If you've missed any of today's uh, show, you can catch up via our podcasts on our website, www.smallbizmatters.com.au. You can also get in touch via Facebook, Small Biz Matters Australia. And let us know if you would like to share your small business expertise with our listeners, which goes out across Australia and the world on iTunes. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd on Triple H 100.1 FM.